about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. My hot rod. Jesus? I was going to say Al Jurgensen. Oh. Uh, welcome to Worst Gig Ever. Mike Pace here. Jeff Garlock here. Jeff just informed me that Ministry, the in- in- influential industrial rock band, is yeah. putting out a final album this year. Yeah, apparently they're putting out one last record. Look at It's going to be terrible. <laughs> will be my Much guess. Like the last five records. Though. Yeah, they've all been unlistenable since Psalm 69. And that album. And the mine is a terrible thing to taste. And Land of Rape and Honey. And Twitch. And With Sympathy <laughs> is a that, great record. There we go. Depeche Mode ripoff, but it works. Speaking of greatness, this week we have Tyler Ran, who was the guitar player, and he sang yeah. in uh, the band Midtown, yep. who were a early aughts, New Jersey-based pop Stalwarts. punk band. Stalwarts of the New Jersey pop punk scene, contemporaries of bands like My Chemical Romance and Fall Out Boy. Who recently broke up as well. Who? My Chemical Romance. They did, well. Or as you just pronounced it, My e- Chemical Romance. <laughs> well, they, this episode's going out to... Uh, to those guys. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we love them here. But Tyler shares some great stories about taking those bands on tour to support Midtown and them just kind of passing Midtown by in, in terms of stratospheric Yeah, success. he's got some of the classic stories. of. I mean, they had Midtown had successes, but yeah. also watching the successes of others yes. <laughs> happen right in front of their eyes. So we get into that. We get into what he considers the band's sellout moment which yep. is a good story. It's a uh, story. There's there's a lot of of good things here and it's it's a nice companion piece I think to the Jeff Rickley episode that we did a few weeks ago yep. from the band Thursday. So if bookends we if, never need to talk about it ever. If yeah. you're if you're into uh to this kind of thing you'll definitely or if you're just a fan of music and stories. Hey, I'm a fan of music <laughs> and I love stories. Yeah. Speaking of stories, <laughs> I want to get your read on my dream that I had last night. <laughs> All right, lay it on. I me. am in a hotel in Los Angeles. There are a lot of celebrities in this hotel. <laughs> I'm walking down the hallway and I see Robin Williams <laughs> talking with someone. I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Steve Martin. Robin Williams is wearing a tuxedo Probably. shirt <laughs> as if he's getting dressed and green, Kelly green tights. <laughs> and they're talking in the hallway and he's like in the middle of getting dressed. Right. He has to go somewhere. Uh, Steve Martin, whoever the other person is, goes down the hallway. So just Robin Williams and I. We then, <laughs> How it always should have been. We then walk to one of the rooms in the hotel, knock on the door. My brother opens it. It's a younger version of my brother who's you know maybe like a 10-year-old version of my brother. My grandfather is lying on the bed behind him. My mom is sitting on the bed next to my grandfather. Robin Williams and my brother lock eyes. Like for what seems like an eternity. Then Robin Williams utters one of his uh, Robin Williams in. <laughs> he makes some kind of uh, Don oh, Waits voice or, or the Pope. or he, he says something. 
It's classic Robin Williams' Pope voice. Exactly. He does, uh, I don't work with the males because I used to be one. He does miss that. He does something. And my brother is just jaw agape. And the only thing my brother can say is, big. <laughs> As in the movie Big starring Tom Hanks, which in this dream world, Robin Williams had a very small cameo in. And I think Robin Williams was upset because that of, of everything I've done, the, the cameo in the dream world version of Big is what you remember. Me. Who did he play at Big? Do you remember? No, was he the Kevin Meany role? In the, in, he very well could have. So listen, what, is, what, do you, what does that dream tell you? I think uh, you might want to sign up for some Jungian sessions to get into that one. Or just maybe go buy the Mark and Mindy DVDs. Or maybe I could email worstgigever yeah. at gmail.com. If you guys have any thoughts on what that dream could mean, email us at worstgigever at gmail.com. Or think about what that dream could mean while you listen to other episodes of Worst Gig Ever on worstgigeverpodcast.tumblr.com. Or go to iTunes. Listen to old episodes. Listen to this episode. Facebook. Leave us some comments. Go to our Facebook page. Yeah. Like our page. We're all over the net. We are everywhere. Go to our Vine. <laughs> we haven't done a Vine yet. But... No, we haven't. But Will Sasso has. Oh, let's hey talk about that later. <laughs> all right. Without any further ado, here's Tyler Rand of Midtown on Worst. <laughs> Get worst, it out. You can do it. Worst gig ever. Yeah. If we're if we're actually talking about what is the worst gig ever, <laughs> I think that for me it would have to be the part of really what was the, our first tour ever and one of the worst experiences of my entire life, that entire <laughs> tour, which culminated in recording an album, which was like, the album was great and that was super fun, but it was just one giant disappointment after another on this whole <laughs> tour. And we had taken off from school. Um, this is, I guess, I don't even want to imagine how many years ago this is. This is probably in 1999. Mm-hmm. Or 1998. So you're like 19, 18, 19. I was, yeah, I was 17 or 18. Okay. And, um, no, I was 18 because we were in college. So, and we had taken off, uh, we had recorded a, a demo CD, uh, in New Jersey somewhere and played it for a record label in, in California called Drive Through Records. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were like friends with, uh, Gabe from, from my band. And they were like, oh, it's cool. It's great. We put it out and, uh, you guys come out and you record an album. And we're like, this is amazing. Um, we had never really been on tour outside of just like the tri-state area going literally all of us piling into a grand marquee with all of our gear <laughs> and like, you know, the random like 15 year old girlfriends in there and, you know, and we weren't breaking even the young. girlfriend you have, real quick. Wait, do you guys have a trailer? Is there a little... No, no, this was no trailer. Wait, what's the, the grand marquee? Is that a minivan or is No, that a... no. It's like a, it's like a bit, it's like the, the Dodge version or the, of the like Lincoln town car okay. sort of. And, uh, Close to would, like butthole surfers, how they used to tour with every single member was, in like a hatchback. It was so <laughs> and it a was dog. terrible. And that was like what we that was what we did to, for like our tri-state touring when you're seventeen. <laughs> yeah. It was like living the dream. That was amazing. Sure. You know, uh, I I was only bummed I couldn't smoke inside of the car. That was my one thing. Those were the things that were like high on your priority list. So then we so then we we decide we're going to go on this tour tour out to California. We're going to record an album, and um, we had set up all these dates. And we're like, this time we can't take the Grand Marquis. It's just like, it's just not happening. So we went and we bought a van, um, a used van by, from some used car place over by Rutgers University where someone knew someone and spent all of our life savings <laughs> on this van. It was like a green 
super ugly, like full on pedophile, like, <laughs> you know, probably early eighties, early eighties. Yeah. Uh, so we get this van and we actually did. We bought a trailer too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got out on the road and it was like so significant that first day. Um, there was some sort of truck carrying explosives flipped <laughs> over on 95 and 95 <laughs> got shut down. And while we're waiting, we're literally parked on the highway. We were skateboarding on the highway. Like, that couldn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Um, so as we started to finally get past whatever was happening to get to the first show, the transmission blew on our van. So <laughs> this is the first day of the first tour of the first, before the first gig. How long have you set up this tour to be? Uh, it was probably about two weeks. Sweet. So we're, and we're now like maybe 10 hours in. <laughs> and let me, let me just, let me ask you this. Yeah. When you're booking, you guys are booking these shows together. Of course. Is this, you're booking your fucking life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm 18 years old. Yeah. Was, this, what, was this a early internet or were you guys phoning it? No, like, how you know was this? what this was? This was, um, this was actually just through other bands that had come through mm-hmm. in our area. So in the New Jersey scene of back then, much like, yeah. Long Island and, yeah. and every other place in the Northeast, you know, um, there would always be, there was shows every weekend at like an Elks Lodge or a, a, you know, one of those kind of places. And there would always be some sort of band from somewhere else coming through yeah. that would most likely make out with your girlfriend and sleep. <laughs> and you were like honored to have them there. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, so just from those bands, like, oh, we know a band from this town in North Carolina, like we'll make the 16 hour drive to play our first show. And that made sense at that yeah. time. And that's what you did. So, I mean, of course, none of those things ever really turned out correctly. And you'd like, <laughs> you know, our transmission blew. We called some guy who we knew from a band from somewhere. We went up staying at his house. You know, I'm, my parents are like from New York and i have never gone camping. I'd never been outside. I'm not used <laughs> to that stuff. You know, uh, I had a sleeping bag and I remember yeah. going to this guy's house. It was like a trailer. And sleeping there the first night, we had no van, we had no money, we no, had show. no show. <laughs> and um, I remember sleeping in the sleeping bag on the floor, and I woke up, I was on the floor, there was these two massively obese women <laughs> sitting in chairs, like lazy boys, like right above me, watching The Price is Right. I have no idea where I am or what's going on. <laughs> and of course, like everybody else had gotten up already and like gone out. And these women were like, fuck it. We want to watch Price is Right. I don't care who this kid is. Um, and it was like the guy's mom and her aunt or something. And they lived in this trailer <laughs> under like power lines. And I went outside and I'm like, what am I doing? Is this like before a show? This is before. Played. Yeah. So this is my very long winded way of getting to my worst. You guys just took a long drive. We basically, (laughs) I drove a long way to to throw away my life savings. Let's go on a shitty road trip. Exactly. So um, I guess we got our van fixed and we stayed there for a few days, which should have been a good uh, precursor to like, but the shows weren't delayed or whatever. And then we drove (laughs) down to uh, South Carolina for our first show, which we played in this guy's garage. And it was literally the guy whose house it was, whose garage it was, watching and maybe one other person. Um and, you know, it was fun to actually play a show. Yeah, quote, sure. Quote unquote show. Um, and then I do remember afterwards, like going with the people, them driving us to, um, what's that pizza place where it's like a pizza buffet? CC's? CC's. Yeah. Which we'd never, I'd never heard of before. And I yeah. was like mesmerized. It drives me nuts that there are CC's commercials and we don't have one. No, you gotta <laughs> drive all, you gotta do what I yeah. do. You gotta <laughs> CC's. But I remember being in a car with this guy who was driving, who was like trying to show off how fast he could drive and, oh. <laughs> I'm sure he was on crystal meth or whatever, like they had back there. It was just really scary. Um, 
And then we get to CC's and I was vegan. So I was like, oh, great. I can't eat anything either. That was terrible. Um, and then that whole tour ended up being more of these kind of things where you would drive somewhere a super long distance to play a show and either there'd be no show or there was what, you know, like, Oh yeah, you guys can play in my yard tonight, kind of thing. Right. Yeah, um, I guess was, you guys. I guess can you play. can. <laughs> I don't know who you are, or where you know. <laughs> Words of encouragement. It was really, it was weird. I do remember on that tour too. We had one really long drive where we played in, uh, in I think it was like Sioux City. Yeah. Or some oh, one yeah. of those South. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, South the West. No one's West. ever been there before. It was so <laughs> yeah. weird. Like we, like Oscar Collapse never played in South Dakota. That's See, like yeah. we played North Dakota like North- five times, but never made it. South well, Dakota. I'll tell you, we've you, got a you, saloon in the ghost you town. You could play. <laughs> you didn't miss out. Yeah. You didn't miss out. And we played with this all-girl Native American band, oh, um, and they were actually pretty awesome. It sounds kind of good. The only. That was like one of the biggest shows of the tour because they had their whole family, like generations of Native American people. Like there was like a guy who was like 300 years old and there were like babies running around Shaman. and stuff too. Yeah. Coincided with a rain dance. It was insane. Enjoy punk rock. No, but they, they rock. They dug it. And the girl band. Single tear. Come to yeah, yeah. Yeah. I airplane. see some garbage out the window at the end. And the tear came down. <laughs> no, it was just that was actually really cool and really fun. And the the band themselves, I, I mean, they varied in age. Also, yeah. there was like yeah. a fifty year old woman drummer, and then the guitar player was fourteen. And, and the I original think riot band. girl band. <laughs> they, were, they were way good. It was cool. Um, and it was just like we couldn't wait to get to Los Angeles and couldn't wait for this thing to be over. And then we got to L.A. Um, well, in uh, parentheses because we actually stayed in we stayed in Burbank with like an. <laughs> That was, that was you want to go thriller. see the prices, right? Yeah. yeah, pretty. Yeah, pretty much. We stayed with this girl who I'm looking, thinking about it now, was probably an intern, and we just like slept on her floor. Oh, this for, is you went to go see the record label. We went to go see the record label, yeah. and they lived in like this big. Well, no, they lived in a big mansion later on, but they they lived in like an apartment. Let, and, let me ask you, drive through yeah. records at the time, yes, like ninety eight, ninety nine. Who was on the like? Because this I is, don't think anybody was on. There was a oh, um, River Phoenix, who then became a band called. Phoenix TX. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. They were the band. And then that's what basically they, and there was a band called the Hippos. Um, the Hippos. I didn't the drummer of the Hippos become the drummer of Blink 182? Or that's a no, different ska band. So, um, yeah, no, that's the Aquabats. Why? Yeah. Yeah, the Why? guy from the Why Hippos. Travis from, uh, Blink 182. Old Travis. With the Dag Nasty Can I Say tattoo. That's, <laughs> hey, I have one of those actually. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, so yes. our podcast was making fun of that. Had no idea what, no. Uh, why he would have well, that's that. That's a great record. That's that. We oh, can that's one of the only records yeah. that you can I can still listen to from that era. That I'm like, this is still really yeah. good and viable. But you, um, but at at the time too. Oh, at, it, at I the mean, time, this this is like this is Blink One Eighty Two was not this, a big deal. None of those bands. So this were is this is yet. this is post. Right. We're talking like post Green Day, Offspring, and a lot of the kids who kind of were influenced by that stuff are forming their own bands, bands but it that, hasn't exactly. hit yet. So like, yes. And rancid was sort of like yeah. starting to happen. And, and blink 182, I do remember then they, their first album had come out on the major label and had the dude ranch. Yeah. I, I guess it. this is yeah. growing my high school that. girlfriend's favorite. Band. They, oh, hey, God, they were, and, you know, they were actually wanna, turned out to be super nice guys. And, uh, we actually got toured in these crazy uh, amphitheaters with them. Later we'll on, get to that. Which yeah. was crazy. And they were super nice. And, 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 
Yeah, that was. A Saw trip. them opening for Sam I Am. Wow. Oh. Sam I Am was killer that night <laughs> on the clumsy <laughs> tour. <laughs> clumsy, good record. Uh, yeah. Too. So, so okay. anyway, so, so we get we get there and and we're so we're signed to this record label because we have no idea about record labels and the idea of something in California seems really exotic and like the promise have, of the West, the promise of the West, <laughs> the promise of Burbank, you know, <laughs> yeah. delivered, staying with an intern, um, living the dream. What? It wasn't even Burbank. Where do they have the Rose Parade? Pasadena. That's where we <laughs> Nice. Okay. I live in Burbank place. later. That's another. Okay. Um, and we made this record at the studio. Um, and essentially when we got there, we, we played, uh, we, we played, uh, the, the songs for the record label people, like live. And they were like, this is really good. You guys should rehearse. And we were going to help us get a producer. And funny, Blink-182 had just come out with that album and, we, uh, and we were big fans of like Jimmy Eat World and those kind of bands and Mark Trombino, who had produced sure. his records. Yeah. Um, and he was also in, in, uh, Drive Like Jay. Like yeah, yeah, of course. So we're like, this guy's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and we asked him to co- produce our record for us and he did. And he came out and like listened to us rehearse and he's like, okay. And we did this really shoestring budget, terrible studio in <laughs> West Hollywood that was like so sketchy. It was called Doug Messenger Studios. <laughs> Doug Messenger claimed to be responsible for everything. He was like this. He looked like I love that Judge record. Doug Messenger can suck it. Yeah, no, he was like he he was he was a character, and every day he would hang out at the studio and like vibe out with us. And Mm -hmm. you know, we were literally like sleeping by the speaker by the stacks, and it was you know very shoestring. Yeah, the one thing that I do, I'm sorry, I'm like going on this total uh, random rant here, Uh, but it's been so many years since I've even. Thought about these yeah. things. <laughs> They're dredging I, up. They're all, yeah, coming out, exactly. all coming out. So the area that we recorded in was like really sketchy and, and I think it was in West Hollywood. And there was a video store next door that was like videos, but it was mostly porno videos mm-hmm. in the back and whatever. And so it was like an interesting mix of people that were coming in and out of the time. <laughs> there was a really bizarre looking guy who worked there and he had this fake tattoo on his neck across his, uh, <laughs> Adam's apple. And he was just, and it was of a tribal thing. And, and, and <laughs> every fake. couple of days, it was fake. It was obviously fake. <laughs> and he was just really weird looking. And I'd always see him and, you know, I was just, I was always outside smoking and, um, uh, he was smoking, but I never talked to him. And then one day this guy, Doug Messenger came up to me and he was like, okay, don't tell anyone this. He's like, but that guy who works here, uh, his name is Kevin Dubro Jr. And his father is Kevin Dubro from Quiet, Quiet Riot. Riot. Yeah. Oh. Single. So immediately, my brain's like, oh my god, this, this he looks just like Kevin DeBron. It's so weird looking. <laughs> but he's like a really skinny, like, whatever. Um, he's like, don't ever mention it to him because he had a really bad experience with his father. They're not close. Uh-huh. He doesn't think it's cool. Don't ever say anything. It's like, I probably shouldn't even have told you. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I put out my cigarette and immediately go inside the video <laughs> And I like go up to the front and I ask him and I'm like, and he's there and I'm like, Hey, can you search from movies by, um, by like director? He's like, no, only by title or whatever. And I'm like, can you search for movies by actor? He's like, no, only by title. I'm like, Is your dad Kevin Dubois? <laughs> and he freaks out and he's like, who told you that vicious lie? And I'm like, whoa, I really kind of touched this for subject. So I left. <laughs> and then a couple days later, he came up to me outside and he was like, look, I'm really sorry. Um, you know, my dad was just like a, such a terrible influence and I haven't spoken to him in years and he stole from my mother and he used to beat. And, I, and the whole time I'm just like, dude, your dad's awesome. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, missing this whole thing. Yeah. And I felt really bad. It turned out he was a super nice guy, Kevin Dubrow Jr. So um, anyways. It's so, it's so weird that like <laughs> Kevin Dubrow 
felt obliged. Kevin Dubrow Jr. doesn't have the ring. It doesn't. It's Kevin no. isn't exactly a regal name. No, Kevin <laughs> Dubrow the second. But you know, <laughs> in Kevin Dubrow's eyes, it's like the most regal. Well, he's yes, dead is. now too. I guess <laughs> that's <laughs> right. May he rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. He this one's good. going up. This episode's for Kevin. Okay. Apparently, a terrible father. Not great with his money. <laughs> but he's uh, but a man who had a fucking time will spending. history exactly. will prove that he yeah, was. Yeah, of course. Quite right. So that's kind of my whole long tangent. The first tours were the worst. Um and then from there, from making an album, you sort of started to feel a little bit more legitimate and um we sort of started to gain some traction and you know, the place where we played that first time in South Carolina where there was one person, we go back and there'd be four. And nice. we keep going back the and then classic be 16. kind of and then by the a certain point, it was like hundreds of people. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the shows, there were always still those, you know, this, these random shows. You'd be on a tour and it was great and it was consistent and every night was really good. And then you'd show up somewhere and you're playing with like weird teenagers and you're like, there's nobody here and this is so depressing. Big local yeah. draw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Yep>. Exactly. And, <laughs> well, or, let me ask you this though, because I mean, the, while the shows may have sucked to a certain extent, yes. how, how does it play in that? That you guys are young. I mean, is there camaraderie? You got like at the time, are you guys just like, who cares? We're fucking. We're oh. in Montana. This is awesome. This, this was my awesome. First- yeah. yeah, I mean, that was especially because we were all from New Jersey and had never, I'd never been to any of these places. Yeah. Right. Nobody. I mean, not that there's necessarily even a need after going to most of them. <laughs> right. You don't need to be there, but of course, it was the most exciting time, and it was yeah. like you. Uh, we really grew up together, um, and, and we're traveling, you know, and you, you live together and you experience yeah. everything together. And, uh, it was, it was so fun. I mean, uh, and then as things, you know, got better and, and, and it was, it was just really an amazing experience. Like one of those things, like I wouldn't really want to have to go through the whole thing again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm really glad that I did. And it's, it's amazing. Like what you, the bonds that you form with people and, you know, and the things you see and experience together that are like completely intangible outside of that, you know, but what it's like when you share a van yeah, or a right. hotel room or a sleeping bag or a plane or a bus or whatever, what it is that you're traveling in and you're like, you've been there with them through, mm-hmm. from everything. So that was yeah. really exciting and fun. And, you know, the shows every night were great. And plus we were underage and we were like, Drinking and this is at, this is after the initial hump of the first. Yeah, day. you know, but there were still like I mean I remember shows. There was one show in particular in Omaha where we were having a really great tour, and then we showed up to Omaha, and it wasn't out at the Ranch Bowl. It was at the other place. Yeah, oh yeah. There's another the place ranch, there. Uh, Sokol Underground. Maybe. Yeah. Was yeah, that the one? Be. That was. Was that the one that like Connor? Obert yes. like owned? Oh, yes. It was like uh-huh. a weird like okay. felt we went like downstairs, a- and it was like a weird low room. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I don't know. He, I think he owned a different place. He, I think he might have waiting because yeah, I've played the underground one, the Silk Underground. But then, yeah, he owned one that felt was, like was you called, were in. It was like called a, the waiting room. But the one I was, it was like it was almost like an like not an elk such, but like a big like stage. Like yeah, it was that, very like, high. It felt like a, a, a high school gymnasium. Ranch, the way it was. Set I remember up. the ranch, ranch from when we started booking. I don't know if we ever played that was there. A but, bowling alley that had a, but the venue was okay. pretty awesome next to it. It was like I think that's Sokol Underground. It almost felt like a weird like '60s auditorium without right. seats and just like just, it was. I've definitely played so underground. That was weird. I've yeah. definitely played Sokol Underground. I yeah. can't remember which tour, but it does sound familiar. But, it's one of those names where you're like, I know I've been right. there, but it's also pretty big. Like it was a know, big room, and and we were hoping for like another a really great show and and um we showed up and we're like what's the pre-sale they're like eight i'm like <laughs> whoa like we pre-sold 800 tickets like that's unbelievable <laughs> and they're like no 
eight. <laughs> and it was like so depressing. So we, I remember this because we walked, there's a gas station right next to it and they sell booze, like liquor in the gas station. <laughs> so we bought a little thing of Jack Daniels and me and Heath, our guitar player, who was always kind of my like foil for being in trouble. Mm-hmm. We were always the ones like drunk and whatever. And you know, uh, he, he and I drank this and then we we're like, Eight people, like let's go get another one. <laughs> so we keep drinking, and we're sitting, and we're like on the bus, and we're not even. Uh, so you guys attention. are torn by bus by this. Point. This is like at the end, I think. Okay. Yeah. So and and uh, of course it's like time to go play, and we walk out of the bus, stumble out of the bus, so drunk. <laughs> Show is sold out. <laughs> we completely missed this. So. I mean, we cannot stand up so drunk. So this would be like the other extreme of how terrible a show can yeah, be. Right. And I remember running out on the stage and just immediately falling off the stage into like a giant Rubbermaid thing of like cables. And, you know, we were playing the wrong songs and he oh. kept throwing up off the, you know, and it was just like, so you also had those kind of shows yeah, too, sure. where, where it was like, the worst self-imposed show bad ever show. For yeah. like, I mean, we had to like apologize to everyone. Right. It was just, we'll be you know. back and we'll, yeah. we'll make it up to you guys. And it was really bad. Like, well, cause I mean, those towns are a gamble. Like there are towns that's like, you know, it, cause there's nothing else going on. It will be packed no matter what. Even if they have no like, idea. Yeah. What, yeah. Or there's just the towns where like, no, there's nothing going on before a reason. Exactly. And there's yeah. just not going to be anything going People. on, even if you're there. And I, you know, I, those ones kind of stand out in my mind. It's just something really. I think the pre-sale is, at least in my experience, is never a good indicator. I mean, I was, never I really was, had great pre-sales I was to begin with. never happy about the answer, but I always wanted to ask You always want to know. Yeah. Because you're, like, gauging, like, is it going to be good? Am I going to, like, phone this in tonight? Am right. I gonna, whatever. Um, but, no, yeah, there was definitely, like, you know, I guess it's a, a terrible indicator, and I didn't realize it at that point. <laughs> right. But it was so embarrassing. I mean, like, the other guys in the band didn't speak to us afterward. Like, they were really pissed off, and it was really terrible and embarrassing yeah. and it's like how often do you get to fucking omaha to right like <laughs> right um, you know it was terrible so I, i'm i'm curious no no i'm curious on. just about like you know what was going on in new jersey at that time when you guys started that you came out of this kind of class mm, of right. especially with kind of quote-unquote pop punk bands yeah, like, yeah. what was going like why did all that congeal there yeah because that was part of what i was gonna like did you you know that's also part of why you were kind of fine to some extent with that first tour because you're coming out of the world where it's not like you're going to do showcase shows you know no, like, yeah, yeah you know you're coming like... from the new Jer- the new brunswick new jersey basement scene for sure yeah. like in hardcore and punk and which was it was crazy um all of these bands yeah we all kind of happened at the same time um i think a lot of it there's so many kids in new jersey there's no real music venues mm-hmm. um and you know getting to new york or, or Philadelphia is not always so possible, especially right. when you're that age. And there's just so many kids. And it was just, I mean, it was just like a crazy local scene. Even growing up, um, there was a, a band called Vision, who's like one of the first yep. hardcore bands, who were my next door neighbor growing up. And like, uh, the singer Dave Franklin, like, lived right in the house behind us. So like, I always kind of had an awareness of that there was some sort of music thing going on. Um, and then, I think the first band that kind of got everybody really excited about this sort of new sound um, was Lifetime. Um, yeah. And they kind of made this huge influence on everybody because they nobody sounded like them. And they kind of mixed the the hardcore stuff with, like, melodic and pop. And so there was sort of something for everybody to like. And I think we were all just at that same show. 
like all right. for real. And it was like there was a club in in New Brunswick uh, called the was it the Down Under or something? I don't know. And it was like it was me and all you know. And uh, I had a band previous to Midtown too uh, that played all these shows um, mm. called Nowhere Fast, which was. You know, and we actually put out an album and we were on like a local record label uh-huh. called Pinball Records. Yeah. Um, who put out the first Midtown. Who put out the first Midtown. Um, and also put out like the record for, uh, Gabe's band, which is, his band was called Humble Beginnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, our drummer's band, which was called The Royalties. Um, so we were all sort of coming from the scene and like been in, we were like known in our central New mm-hmm. Jersey, whatever. You guys that were playing, you're in high school and you're we're still playing school. shows on the weekends. All the time. And stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we all, like, we would go sometimes to New Brunswick or whatever to go see these bands when they'd come through at, like, the Down Under or whatever. Mel- like Melody, Melody Bar? Bar and yeah. Down Under was first and then Melody Bar. And it was, like, a couple of these shows. So it was, like, I remember seeing that, uh, seeing Lifetime, and it was, like, you know, it was us. Um, it was the guys who eventually went on to do Saves the Day, mm-hmm. um, who had a different band then called something else. Saves Day, a.k.a. Lil Lifetime. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Switch that first record. It was insane. It's yeah. the same song. Yeah. 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 But really it was that was. one really good song over and yeah. over and over sure. again. Well, like, let's just to be clear for the listener, oh, right, right, because right. There, there's those two eras of Lifetime. There's for the sure. early kind of like... Hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I, which I I was never into. But right. Jersey's best dancers. Well, the, yeah, the Jade right. Tree, uh, yeah, Jade Tree uh, stuff. stuff. Yeah. Hello Bastards. That's like where they kind of something clicked and they really... Did it right. You know. Um, and that's kind of like everybody saw that and suddenly it was like you could do the elements of pop. You could like the pop world of pop punk lived with hardcore for the first married together. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I don't know. I guess there was just so many kids and so many people, um, in New Jersey at that time. And we just, well, all, cause even at that time, Doc Hopper, Doc Hopper, like, yeah. the guitarist Chris. of Doc Hopper played in Dead Guy. Yeah. In yeah. like the last two he years, actually, he owned a recording studio in New Brunswick that we are not recording a rehearsal space. That's where we used to rehearse in the beginning. I actually was just at my parents' house and found a Doc Hopper T-shirt. That's amazing. <laughs> I have that first. What was that first record called? I, I, Aloha. I, Aloha. I knew about Doc Hopper through that, Dead I had Guy. I a seven-inch. I had the clear blue seven-inch. Well, that, they had this really great song called Melcher. Melcher, yeah. yeah. I, could, I remember that song. <laughs> yeah, they wow. did. But I always equated Doc Hopper and Wes. I think they did. They wanted to do some split, split record, too. Split record, on, split yeah. live record. Um, but, you know, growing up on Long Island and Jeff growing up in Connecticut, like, I think – Hard tough guy, like kind of hardcore, is yeah. much more prevalent yeah. for as, you guys. Than yeah, it was but see, that's that. That's didn't because well, when I looked at Jersey, like I would think of like, like I said, like Dead Guy and Human Remains, and like and Rorschach, like and like how this like really interesting hardcore mm. was happening, happening, like amongst also like playing shows like Lifetime it, and stuff. It's also right. it's yeah. interesting. It speaks to kind of the uh, I guess regionality, if you will. Yeah, of t- uh, still an, almost a pre-internet saturated era where you, you could go just, across to New Jersey and. It like pop it was central. a time yeah. period where you could yeah. say this was these are San Diego bands, these are New Jersey bands. This is a Connecticut hardcore sure. band. You knew exactly what yeah. that meant. You knew, of course, where if depending on where you were from, that's how you would sound. Yeah. yeah, and it was also I think you know maybe just a lack of anything else going on, but there would be these massive. This, you know, the shows would be all day long, mm-hmm. and it would be there would be like you know ska bands. Yeah, like there'd be hardcore bands. There'd be pop punk bands. There'd be the lifetime sounding that everybody played together. It was like seven dollars, six dollars with a can of food. I don't know who where all that food right. went. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't the remember can anyone. Of food. Like, it's like probably the, like some. Here's took more it water there. chestnuts. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, and there was you know, and we'd be hanging out by our 
pita table and with handing out flyers and all that stupid shit. And it was like, <laughs> like, like yeah, little mini all, Columbus Fest in yeah, Brunswick basements. All day long and, and, um, and there'd be a million bands and they'd be of all different styles. And you, yeah, there were guys who were there for only the hardcore bands, but they didn't like mess with the guys who were there no, for the scum. Yeah. They stand they outside. Sort of, they stand outside. And it was like, or even they'd be in there. It was, yeah. it was just like a different thing. I don't remember ever being like intimidated or scared. Like if I did go to shows in the city and go to the wetlands or, or, uh, Coney Island yeah. High or, or go to Philadelphia, there was like a real chance that someone was going to beat you up and take right. your skateboard. And it was like, yeah. that was like the ultimate fear. Like a mad like, ball will come out. Mad ball will come out. Yeah. Uh, mad ball the band. Mad ball will come out carrying mad balls. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and just sure. go nuts on everyone. For sure. Because being from an outsider, it seemed like when I look at like New Brunswick, I'd be like, oh, they, you know, they've got the college and they've got, you know, they're right near New York too. But also they do, I think it is a legitimate thing that there were good basements. There were really good basements. All of the, all of the punks lived in houses that had solid that's, basements that's that were big thought, enough. Yeah. Like well, it legitimately was like a thing where like New Brunswick basement shows were like a good show to go to. You and could it, get hundreds of people and the sound would yeah. be so bad. But like I did like, one show in my mother's basement in Connecticut, <laughs> yeah. but that was like in my finished basement that's like, ah, carpeted. Like carpeted. take your shoes off before yes, you Yes, exactly. In. It, but the legitimately, like they were like, Big enough. That's and an interesting. Room. I never yeah, thought I about, it think like about that, that either. And we actually, we, um, you know, we all went to Rutgers, so it was like we, we did. We lived in a house on, um, like, oh God, I can't remember what the name of the street is, but it was like right, right there, right across from the grease trucks. Yep. Oh, and man. I love them which so. Which is, much. oh my God, it's like <laughs> so good. Uh, <laughs> I haven't thought about that. In Jesus. It was like it was it was sprinting distance. So like when you left the grease trucks, you could just make it home in time to get to the bathroom. Right. That was like the core <laughs> of living there. But we all lived in this house and and we did. And we had an amazing basement. And um our friends who lived upstairs, it was like other hardcore kids, Paul Hanley. I don't know if you know Paul, he's still around. He works for like uh ooh, I'm dropping names on the whatever. Works for a record <laughs> Except like, so like, like French Kiss or something. <laughs> okay. Um and in Jeff from Thursday, and we met those yeah. guys like on our first days of school, and they yeah. had a house too. And it was just a question of like whose basement was less gross to like have a show in, and that's where we did our first show. You're right, but you could fit yeah. hundreds of people, and there was kids coming from all the surrounding areas, all the kids who went to college, and there's like nothing else going on. And if you weren't like a jock in college, then yeah, what else are you? Gonna I mean, because even in my college at Boston, like in the Rotting Stuff House, which is the punk house that I lived in, like we had shows in the basement where like Orchid played and it killed man in questions. But wait, where did you go to school? And BU. Uh, oh. I, wait, and you lived in this house? I, I lived in that. You might have played in Austin. I feel like I may have. Uh, Quite possibly. It, it had a tiled floor. It like it felt like, and there was like weird poles. Like again, it wasn't a great one, and it, it, the way it was set up was like in an L shape, so like it didn't fit people very well. <laughs> but again, it was so it was like we tried to do because we had a bunch of Jersey kids living in the house too. So like, hey, was, we have basement shows. Live with a guy named Rob. Yeah, Rob Adams. No, not that Rob. Okay. okay. Do you know Rob Adams? No, okay. Know Rob, Rob was in a band that Midtown would have played with. Maybe. Maybe I do know Rob uh, Adams. Possibly. He was in a, uh, now they're called Taxpayer, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, still a I, band. Yeah, he's wow. still playing, I think. Uh, yeah, less. it was with this guy Rob, <laughs> this guy Matt Morahan, who lived in New Brunswick or that in Carteret, maybe. maybe. Uh, and then uh, Pete Zetlin, who's in this band uh, now in Sinaloa. He used to book a tin can full of Dreams Fest. It was a punk oh house. God. Okay. Uh, it was just like I, the I mean, punk house for a like year edit or two. This little in, in of No, we do not edit any of it. <laughs> um, um, so uh, my, uh, another question, like at what point, I mean, you guys are you're in college. It's like, at what point does it click and, and it's like, we're going to try to go for this. Right. And like, this is what we want to do. Yeah. Well, that was, I mean, 
there was definitely a different level of, of, of realizing the reality of, you know, I don't know. It, it took a while before it became something where like we thought like we could actually make a living at doing this. Um, there was definitely the idea, at least for me personally, like I didn't love being in college and I was like, this is not, I didn't feel like I was ready to pick what I want to do for my life mm-hmm. and I didn't know enough and I wanted to learn more and, and experience more. So I was partially wanting to always like, you know, prolong it and see what happened. But music was something that I just, you know, I mean, and performing more than anything else was just so awesome for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to keep trying to do this as long as I possibly can. My parents right. thought I was totally crazy. You can't do this. Like you need to finish school and you do whatever. Um, do they appreciate the band? Um, yeah, they did. And I actually, I mean, they would come to every show and mm-hmm. they appreciated the, I mean, my parents are fantastic and my mom's still like right now rocking out to one of our albums somewhere <laughs> that came to the house. Um, but you know, everybody kind of was just, you know, you go off this, the, the structured path and we're like yeah. suburban kids from New Jersey who, you know, are intelligent and we're in college. And then suddenly you're like, I'm going to go travel in a van with no money and no insurance and no whatever and, and try and do this. Um, I think it was when like the album first kind of had come out and we started to see people coming to shows. Is this your first album? Our first album. And that was called, uh, Save the World, Lose the Girl, uh, which came out in 2000, 2000 or 99. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. And, um, and we started to see sort of reaction to those kind of things that I was like, wow, like we might be able to get to the level where we can like literally take an, a full year off of school mm-hmm. and tour and like I can figure out what I want to figure out and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, the record label that we were on, which was drive through, they signed a, a deal with MCA Records because MCA Records wanted um, that band River Phoenix or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we got a phone call and they're like, guess what? You're on a major label. And I remember that because I was like 18 and I was like, holy, I was underneath the House of Blues in Chicago <laughs> in our band. And I like remember that being like, oh my God. You guys were upstreamed from drive through Were you psyched at the time or, or wary? Uh, were you, where were, your, I mean, where were my, your punk ideals at that time? You know I, what you I know mean? What? No, it was weird because it was right at that time where, you know, there was like, it was such a huge thing about being a sellout. Yeah. Oh, like when you were in, when I was in high school and, 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 you know, I remember going to see bands and like, People would not go. I, I saw Jawbreaker on the Dear You tour, and everyone right. turned their back to them in the crowd, except for me and my brother. Right. We're like rocking out, going crazy. <laughs> this record's genius. <laughs> Such a weird waste of money. Why would you go? <laughs> it was exp- yeah, I don't know. Um, Were we know, all just rolling in dough at that time? I, 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 <laughs> it was the full party. The bubble hadn't burst yet. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> You're right. I, just swimming in dot com sellout. Yeah, that's money. it. They're just. I don't know. It was. It's a. It's a weird thing to think about. Um, I, I don't remember at what point I stopped caring. Probably. Right. It's like the, you know everyone who's straight edge until they turn twenty one, and then right. they're like, "What the fuck was I you do?" You know, I'm, right? Um, so probably, only one remains strong. <laughs> oh, really? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I broke it off. With That's the force a sign. of the edge, right? It's a sign right yeah, there. It is. No, I, you know, uh, um, it, and is this, is this happening concurrently with your? Peers with My Chemical Romance. No, My Chemical Romance those. wasn't even. No, they. That's much later. Um, Were they from Jersey? Yeah, oh. yeah, they're totally from Jersey, and and um, we actually took them on their first tours. Mm-hmm. You know, where they mm-hmm. literally were first of five bands, and they right. were, and you know, um, that kind of just blew up for them too. That was much after the fact. I feel okay. like we kind of got, we got a lot of the brunt of of the major label thing, um, very much so. And I think maybe that was. I was I, I was excited because right. I suddenly was like. Holy crap! Like, not only am I going to be able to do this for a year, but maybe I can like actually do this. 
and like right. really become whatever. And you have all. And you also got to do it in the money. easiest way, where it's like you're not trying to get on a major, but now I'm you're on. Like, hey, 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 whatever. You literally, just what am I gonna do? <laughs> what am I gonna do? It's like if you're on earache, and also when earache got bought out, like Columbia, you know, major. Yeah. It's like okay, cool. Yeah. Now I guess I'm on Columbia. That's how Coalesce wound up. On yeah, exactly. Now. And you're like, how does this happen? <laughs> right. So, like, were they really scouting you at your shows? Like, no. <laughs> you know. Um, but it sort of that was <laughs> they came out to the Thursday house. They were in the basement. basement. They were all in the basement <laughs> with us. Uh, when it was unfinished floor, it was mud and dirt. Um, no, so I guess that was probably like when we really, you know, started. And and then you you know a, a lot of things. That was, it was great and it was so exciting and it really propelled us to like, when you get to go to like a real record label office and you get to go on real tours and travel all over, like that was so cool. So I at never, this, now like, you know, uh, a bus comes into play. Yeah, that was actually man, much later. We toured for okay. a really long time as long as we could in a van. But it's, but you made it comfortable in that like, we made it you, comfortable. you guys are now starting to get some decent guarantees. Yeah, and like, yeah decent, but we always, enough. we would always like, you know, uh, myself and some, and, and Gabe were kind of like, we wanted to stay in a hotel. So we're like, right. we never make, we'd come home with some money, but we'd always spend a lot okay, of money. So yeah. And like, instead of driving back across the country, like someone would buy, oh, I have to get home. I have to fly. And like someone else has to drive. And uh-huh. that was <laughs> always such a bummer <laughs> when the one move. person had to get back yeah. and you're like, great. Well, I don't. <laughs> yeah. So and then the rest I'll of drive. you are just up for 50 hours driving yeah. back. Um, but it was, it was exciting and it was cool. And that was the fun part. But then you also, at that point to you, you sort of everything changes and, and it becomes a little bit less. Uh, I don't know. It maybe became a little bit more competitive, and then because there were so many bands, and then it was Saves right. the Day, and then it was and the Get Up Kids, and then there was all the tier of the Blink One Eighty Twos and the Offspring mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And Green Day that were like really making it, and we were we also had signed our deal the same day as that band Newfound Glory, who mm-hmm. were also right. really good friends of ours. And we all I remember the signing our contracts together, and we all slept on the floor of a hotel room. That day. <laughs> we, I, like it was like. So unglamorous, but you know, they started, obviously they had like a, a hit like right off the uh-huh. bat yeah. and that was like, we were watching that happen for them and it was crazy and you start to get, you know, it was like everything sort of started to change and, and at least for, for me and, and, um, you know, recording the next album took us six months to make, you know, like those kind of stupid right. things. Like you start off touring and with the ideal of, of like, I want to be like Ian McKay and I want to yeah. like, yeah. and then. You know, you tour for a year straight and then you're like, I want to be like Keith Richards. And it's like, <laughs> you really change your whole. Well, it's the thing with like, it's, yeah, I mean, I always think it when I like, obviously I love Ian, but also like he's Ian. Yeah. He, there's one of him. Yeah. Uh, to do that is, yeah, he's like. And he let him do that. Yeah. He's, good luck yeah. with that. Yeah. And same with like, even like a Steve Albini, like with him, like I'm just like, cool. Yeah. Your rants you are wonderful, but yeah, <laughs> go nuts. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, you're. I remember in the beginning, it was really about, um, I don't know, it just, it just, it changed and it was like everything was, was small and personal and you knew everybody yeah. and you're hanging out and then suddenly you're like, there's a business element. Yeah. There's a business too, element too. and there was like this whole carrot dangled that never was dangled before right. and you're focused instead of, you know, I, I actually think the performances and the songwriting and everything got so much elevated and we got yeah. so much better. We, we started to care. Wow, we, you know, maybe we should sound good live. Like maybe we should play to a click track. So it's like on tempo. Right. Or maybe we should like rehearse listening and record and listening, like take vocal lessons and like mm-hmm. play our instruments correctly. Like, right. Which was like cool. And that was great. And it afforded us the opportunity to do it. But you know, it suddenly became like, okay, I have to, you know, I got to play later. Like what, you know, like a different. 
a different thing. Well, let me. Let I me, think I, I I I think that makes sense though. To like for me, even like in Panthers, like Panthers never got to any sort of level. I think of like kind of where you guys were at, but also like there was that. Uh, there was there at least for me it was also that somewhat of like well now I'm a little bit older. Yeah, I should act more legitimate about this. That's like correct. to. To because my brain is already beating myself up that I'm like being a dick and I'm like hang you know I'm wasting my life and yeah like, for know, sure yeah I don't have a career while all my other friends are starting to get houses and do all this stuff and I'm so, sleeping in a sleeping bag yeah and I'm oh. yes exactly I'm still in this gross sleeping bag it's, well I want to ask you this because you know at the time when all this is happening. Like when we interviewed, or when we, when we interviewed, what do mm-hmm. I, Mike Wallace here? <laughs> when we yeah. spoke to Jeff Rickley, he was talking about, um, you know, they had a hit, quote unquote, yeah. at a time when you still could do that. In yeah. 2000, you know, up until maybe 03, 04, before like, it, you know, everything's yeah, before, inundated yeah, yeah. in the internet. So you could still, that carrot's being dangled and you guys could still potentially have the hit. Right. And it seemed like your songwriting, there was always a commercial aspect in terms of it being, uh, friendly. To it wasn't difficult. We to- didn't change the, you know, the, the soul of the music to try to be more commercial. Right. You know, we recorded slicker than anything in the yeah. world. And that was like, that lends itself to it. You can, you know, if you, if you polish it off enough, it mm-hmm. sounds that way. But, but you, did you have that kind of tendency originally? Yeah, like I mean, you had I had that like ear in like your brain. When, when, when I was at shows, like, in, and I loved pop bands. Right. I'm like, my favorite punk rock bands, like, you know, are like the Descendants and Sex right. and Weasel and like Melody and Pop. And I was never into that other stuff. So I was very much aware of I want to write right. a good pop song. You right. know, like, I don't. I want to write a good song, and if it sounds whatever, it has to have a big chord, and like mm-hmm. that's fine, um, you know. And it, but it just became something different, and it just you know. But I guess when it becomes a real opportunity, and you need to get serious about some things, and everybody kind of had different levels of of um, serious and like what was important to them, and and how it sort of happened, and and you know, and then that leads to a lot of good things, a lot of bad things. Right. You know, we made mm-hmm. some really bad, stupid career things that I'm like. Kicking myself. Well, okay, that, that, that's about. a perfect segue into give us another worst gig that it doesn't necessarily have to be a live show. Something else that would. Well, we definitely did. Um, we definitely killed our credibility quite a bit. We did a. We performed the theme song for a MTV show, <laughs> which was so okay. So Wait, basically, it was so bad. Um, we were on tour, and at this point, it was like. We were full on going for it, and you know, um, we got the call. Like, do you want to do the theme song to this uh, MTV Road Rules, <laughs> Real World, Real World Road, Road Rules, Rules Challenge. Challenge? Thank you. <laughs> Blocking it in my mind. <laughs> okay. And it was yeah. like we were on tour. I mean, we, you know, we literally would tour ten months of the year, and it was like nonstop. And this was the opportunity. They were like, "Fly us to Jamaica, like stay on the beach, have a day off." I'm like. What the fuck? Like, yeah, we should do this, of course. Right. Uh, not like I was the vocal one behind it. We all were like, let's and, do it. Right. It wasn't even that. It wasn't that you were writing an original. They were no, on to one of your songs. songs. So, and we're like, you know, great MTV, and we had just done like a new video, and it was like, you know, we're all in bed together, and without, you know, in, in you know, not like in the video, we're all in <laughs> right. bed together, but MTV and, and, yeah, and you guys great concept in for your video. Simpatico. I mean, we that probably happened too, but for another <laughs> conversation. Um, uh, and so we went down there to do that, and it was, turned out to be um, really campy and really stupid, and we had no idea 
what it was going to be like. And we, you know, we thought it was going to be like camp. Like they told us the concept. And basically it was just an opportunity to go and like party with all these people from the real world. And then that led us to more problems with all those other, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but when we saw the finished product, it was like, I mean, it was so bad. It was so bad. And it did the complete opposite of, instead of like exposing people to our music, it just like, exposed us as idiot like it just looked you know and all of like the people who had really followed us in the music scene up to that point where i think we're really disappointed and like that's just looks well terrible. It's, it's interesting that you bring that up because personally i don't know if you remember this i think this is the first time that we met okay um you know my band was kind of just starting and and we met and i told you that i really liked the song because that was my <laughs> oh, first oh, yeah. that was kind of my first exposure um to to the band I'm like this is a really oh. catchy song and I remember we went out for dinner and I and, and I told you that and you got very defensive <laughs> oh that's an old song it sucks blah 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 and I'm thinking here I'm trying to get my band off the ground and we're like you know we're really in the early stages yeah. and the, all I want like to 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 have that opportunity yeah. to be in that place where like this is what I'm doing and I'm making these decisions. And so I understood, I understand, I understand why you were defensive about yeah. it, uh, it was, at the time. But it, I, I, it never, right. I was just like, wow, this is a really catchy song. I'll like, say awesome. at least you sold out to MTV the right way because my band sold out in the terrible way, which is where, you feel oh, that's uh, right. my, the, we had this dude who worked for M2, this guy Clint, who we were friends with at the time. And right. they they were just reevaluating how the whole station looked. So they wanted to do something and they were like, look, we want to have Panthers be the intro to the rock show. And we're going to do this like shoot or whatever. And we're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And we ended up getting like 200 bucks each <laughs> that we ended up using for gas Righteous to bucks. pay to yeah, go to, to a fucking to a, West Coast square. tour oh, oh, oh. Uh, because we drove cross country. But what it ended up being was we were in the practice space next to our practice space for some reason. They took weird photos of us wearing, like, I was wearing a silky blue shirt. No, you were not. And I was playing guitar because I looked like a guitar player, not a bass player. Oh, my God. And they end up doing these weird, like, kind of herky-jerky. That was the style. And it ended up not only being just for the rock show. It was the bumpers yeah. for all of M2. It was on all the time. All day for a year and a half. It would just be where constantly. My mom was like, "If I'm missing you, I just turn on him too." And like, and they were while we were in there, they go, "Oh wait, you guys are an actual band." And I'm like, "Everything about this is terrible." Because it was like a 10 second thing where it'd just be like these kind of like you know shots of like jerky with like some weird like feedback in the background, and then it would just say M2, and then so so you wouldn't know who the band was. Photo photo of my big dumb hair (laughs) tuning a guitar. Uh, It It was. such sure. a bummer. Yeah, did, and a did you silky. get feedback? Did you get bad? Bad <laughs> people reaction? were not. It was also like you know, like that. This was like semi beginning of Panthers, and we already were starting to get feedback of like you're in a band that doesn't sound like your old bands. Uh, like, and you're fucking trying to sell out, and we really weren't. We were just trying to fund a tour for sure. Uh, in that, like I said, it ended up being the tour that we did our glory tour that we were going to just do the West Coast and then just drive all the which way home. meant we drove all the way to the West Coast. <laughs> Meet three guys, and then someone's like, I gotta get back to work, so you guys have to drive back. (laughs) And then every show kind of sucked. It wasn't a glory tour, and then we drove home. Well, okay, what, this is an interesting segue. That's fun. But no, 
an Orchid, the band before Panthers, and Midtown, you guys both, I've heard from both of you at separate times that you're the bands that when bands go on tour with your bands, then they, they become get famous. It. In yeah. your case, what it was like the Panthers. Well, but the then you, you tour with the Blood Brothers. Oh, and Orchid, too. Yeah, yeah. both bands. Orchid, Blood, yeah, Blood Brothers, Brothers TV Radio, TV on the Radio, Death from Above 1979. Yeah. And you, and. I mean, everybody. Like, every, <laughs> every band that's been successful, it seems like, from that whole era. At some point. I mean, it literally was like a known thing, like to go on tour with us, because then you will become a millionaire. Right. <laughs> literally, like, I mean, it was. I, I, if you want to be having sex with Kelly Osborne within yeah, two oh. weeks, go. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, time. every. From The Used and My Chemical Romance. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of, like, who else was. My brain, it's been, it's been. And these year. are bands opening for you at the Oh, time. they were like the first, we're yeah. band five, they're band one. <laughs> you know, um, everybody, every, every massive band from that time, like literally, it was just like everybody wanted to go on tour with us. We're always on tour. Yeah. Like constantly. Right. That was like our thing. Yeah. Um, because we didn't have anywhere to live at that point either. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, no, it was literally, it was crazy. And they'd, they'd open for you. And then next tour, they would take us out to support and newfound glory. Um, I'm trying to, I mean, there was literally so many. And I'm Did you have to, any mid-tour blow-ups where, like, halfway through the tour, tour you're like, oh, wait, they anymore. should be yeah. uh, no, Suddenly, they're like, God, this tour isn't working. Or No, actually, I think it was pretty It was pretty good. I mean, you know, you definitely see um, the passing of the guard at certain right. times. And I remember even that happened with us, with other bands that we were on tour with supporting. Um, and then suddenly, the show would clear out after, and for them, and they would get super pissed off and it was like bands that i love and then like i remember face to face specifically because right. i like, loved face to face which i can't believe i'm admitting that out loud and it's i love hey, i mean disconnected hey the cover of bikeage I, I think the first <laughs> two records are, are really def- good are really good yeah. yeah really good yeah and I actually, when I was living in I Austin, I certainly next up to go to yeah. a face-to-face show. What <laughs> am I doing? A couple when I lived in Austin a couple of years ago, I saw them at this. It's called Fun 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 Fest that they have out there, and I saw and I hadn't seen them since I saw them at the uh, the Academy. Wow, not the Academy. Uh, Tramps oh, in wow. New York. It was one it, when I saw Face to Face, probably in like 1995. It was one of the best. It was the best show I'd ever. They been. were so good. First time I had ever like stage dove. It was amazing. And then I saw. That's them. how I felt about Primus at Woodstock. <laughs> go on. <laughs> but I so I saw I saw face to face it must have been 2009 and they were great yeah they're good i mean you know what it is it's like mike ness and social distortion it's like uh there's one dude who just like is the band and he's good and he knows what he does and 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 i was always i was like a huge fan i used to be too and now i that guy but i after touring with them it was so disappointing (laughs) wait social distortion you oh no 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 face to face yeah um i couldn't I couldn't. It was really sad. Like they stopped talking to us, and uh, that was uh, during a fallow period for it them. Was, it must yeah, have been. you know, it was just like you know. I understand because mm-hmm. when it would, if it would happen to me, it would be a bum out too. But you know, it was just like they suddenly like we would have no water on stage, or we would have no food in our dressing. Oh, that's, you know, that's that kind of stupid shit. Petty. And, and, yeah, it was petty, but it was like that was disappointing. But you know, those things happen. But there were every other band like that literally that had like a hit song was opening for us at some point. Mm-hmm. It was like. Fallout Boy. Fallout. Oh, Fallout Boy. Thank you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I forgot about them. They're pretty massive. Um, X Race Trader. Fallout Boy. It's That's right. <laughs> crazy. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. You probably know better than me. I can't even remember anymore. Why? I, why I'm able to retain all? This. Oh, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's like I just kills me because it's, it's not. I was not. You know, it wasn't like I was, was active. Just, I was just aware. Well, of you're all aware of it, stuff. and you know. But let, let me ask you this though, because it seems like 
I don't think that our Jeff and our bands never got to the point where like you could tour comfortably. You weren't worried about if people. I mean, maybe the the odd Omaha show, like yeah. right. you know, you're making a living off the yeah. band at this point, yeah. and it's the difference between between living comfortably and, and being, being a stratus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like the other. Then there's like once one carrot is is dangled, and there's right. the other carrot. And I remember we basically we um we saw like we had a little taste of of like. What it's like to tour. Cause we did, we toured with, I remember with Blink 182 was like the first big one where we played like hockey stadiums. Yeah. Right. Like amphitheaters. And they were so cool. Like they, they had buses that just would roll empty cause they'd fly and their buses yeah. would just like, it was crazy. We're in a van uh-huh. and I'm like looking and they were so nice and so cool. Like had Thanksgiving with them and like the whole really cool and really awesome. Our cop seemed like a nice guy. When He's I did super that nice. Show. Yeah. Super nice. Yeah. Um, and we saw that, and then I remember seeing um, the guy from The Offspring uh, in, in the Dexter? studio. Uh, no, the so, singer. So, oh, wait, isn't I, it Dexter? Dexter? No, Dexter, Dexter guitar player. player. Oh, okay. I, I, I can't remember. I, I, was, De- I thought so Dexter Hall. Guys, he looks like the Predator. <laughs> yeah. He would literally, in the vocal booth, he'd have, he had a picture of an airplane hanging up, and I'm like, and it looked like the, the seaplane in, um, in Commando, which is like such a random <laughs> reference. <laughs> Jeff loves like, Commando. Oh, one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> With Ray Don Shaw sitting on the side hanging up. Yeah. Wait, so he had a picture of an airplane in the And I was like, what's, why is that? And they're like, that's what he does with each album to inspire him to like get his takes correct because, you know, he's going to buy another plane. And I'm Jesus like, Christ. that was literally how they would operate. And I'm like, holy shit, these guys are buying another plane. Like, wow, they're, that's like now, really successful. Let me, wow. let me ask you this, just because when I was, you know, doing research for, for this conversation, mm. watching some live, and I saw a live video of when you guys open for Blink-182, and I noticed that on your Midtown banner, there was a sizable Guitar Center logo oh. in the in the corner. <laughs> All right. I'm, 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 Pro-gear, pro-team. Yeah. I, I don't even know how that got <laughs> It paid for something. I mean, well, to be honest, yeah, I mean, you know, there was a, I guess there was a reason. I always got really good treatment in Guitar Center. Like, <laughs> I went in recently and I was like, what about my discount? And they're like, what are you talking about? Um, do you know who I am? Yeah. No. And they're like, I don't, I wasn't even alive, dude. Like, um, yeah. no, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there was like definitely corporate yeah. sponsorships that went on for all those things. And, you know, we had lots of gear that we had to use. And I mean, I, was that yeah of course. was That's, there any shitty gear that you had to oh use? my god yeah t- totally <laughs> you like, stuck with like a crate amp no you're like, ah, line six amp. Yeah. No, 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 no. i had a crate. that was my first amp actually a crate. of course and i had uh left it in my parents garage and then one day it stopped working and i took it to the head i had a half stack crate half stack. right I took the head to the store and they're like what happened was a mouse crawled in there and bit through some wires and electrocuted itself. And they had the mouse still in a bag. Like, you want That's this? amazing. Do that was the quality it? of the crate. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, we had like all these terrible, like those like zoom effects that yep. were terrible. Um, I remember getting line six guitars. Like, what <laughs> bad about, they like, war- like you put them in the van or the trailer one night and they were all warped and right. stuff. I couldn't play oh, I picture like a worse Parker fly. Yeah, yeah, but they had like <laughs> effects built into the guitar. Oh, I remember like, that shit. It's so bad. It's like they just shoved the pod into in the, the guitar. Face. It's so terrible. So, so what's, how, like, how does this affect the way that you guys are operating as you're oh. getting towards the end of the band when like you see. So we're these, seeing all this stuff. All these happening. peers are, are, are and kind of, you know, how does you know, this affect your We, we your actually, attitude? we took, um, we took a year off, essentially like a record label. Uh, we, we put out this record. We made albums and, or, uh, videos and we had toured all over the world and did all this stuff. And you know, it like, 
it sold very well, but it wasn't like a massive hit. And which record is this? Yeah, this is the second record, okay. which uh, is on Living Well is the best revenge. And then um, we realized like there's a lot of backlash from a lot of things that we had done. And mm-hmm. uh, we took some time off to sort of think about like, what do we want to do? Do we want to re like go back to college? Or I knew I didn't know. I'm like, I want to continue doing this. And uh, we started. How old were you at this point? Uh, I mean, uh, I'm like 20 or 20. Something so like 21, something so right. stupid, you know. Yeah. Um, and or maybe I'm like or 22, right, right, right. whatever. You're not I'm, ready to give this up. I'm no, like no. I'm 22 years, yeah. 22 years old. I'm like, yeah, I definitely do not. I'm like I'm like covered in tattoos. I have no, <laughs> right. didn't finish school. I'm like I don't want to. I can't like wake up and go to class now. Like I've seen the other <laughs> right. side of, behind the curtain, and I yes. want to keep doing it. Um, so we we started like kind of like bare bones and and writing songs and acoustic guitars together, and we um came up with new. A bunch of songs, and then we we got a new manager who was based in New York instead of in LA, uh, who was just like, "This is what you guys. Here's where you went wrong, and here's like you were paying too much attention to the wrong things." And mm-hmm. um, and we got this great new team of like people here in place, and then we did like a showcase like for record label, like, uh, and we got a a deal again, and it was crazy, mm-hmm. and we're like, "Wow, this is." nuts and we're going to go for it again and we're going to like this is with columbia this is with columbia and we were going to like rebirth the band in a new way like this is like no more like spending six months in super tramp studio which we did Uh like renting like organs which take a whole day to put together to Uh play like one key in the background (laughs) now i'm like wondering if i ever saw a midtown showcase I mean, there was because I used to work for arista records for like two and a half years um, it was in the knitting factory I was at the Knitting Factory. Yeah, Maybe there was like two of them. Yeah, you may have been there. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you were blown away. Yeah. Um, so we did that, and then we had another. We signed a deal, and then we were like, um, "We're going to do the album, like, more in tune with what was happening in music at that moment, where it was like a little bit more bare bones." Because mm-hmm. I remember the day actually that our our living or um, the Living Wells of Best Revenge album came out was also the same day I bought the Strokes record, and I immediately was like, "Oh my god, my album is completely outdated." It's like, <laughs> So slick and so whatever, and music kind of took that co- different course. So we sort of we wanted Thanks, it to be a little play. bit darker and more grungy, and um, and we went and recorded with Butch Walker at his, ha- uh-huh. his home studio in Atlanta. We did Arista Records. Arista <laughs> Records, Marvelous yeah. Three guy. I Marvelous paid a lot. I paid a lot of bills for Butch. There you uh, go. Yeah, he uh, and he's actually great. And we were like, why don't we do the whole thing live and do it in like took two weeks. We got. Um, Gilby Clark from Guns N' Roses to like mix it. <laughs> really? So weird. <laughs> the Juju Hound himself. It was, no, yeah. that's, uh, that's, uh, oh, Gilby Izzy, Izzy Stradlin. Stradlin. Yeah, right, Izzy. right. I no, it It was like, that was another, but it was our, our manager was in a band like with all those guys. Wow. And, and he, um, knew him and he did a great job and it actually sounded really different. Uh, of course, at this point, you know, we released the album and we made a video that was like a full budget movie. Like, it was so insane. Like, think about this now. They closed down streets in LA. We had, it was in where they filmed, uh, that movie with Brad Pitt, Seven. Yeah. Right. In the hotel where the, like, obese guy is. Oh, yeah. That hotel exists and we had rented out spaces for it. And there's like crazy people living in there and it's haunted and it was so weird. It's like a full big budget thing. We had like stunt doubles and like, it was crazy. I mean, like we went for it. Wow. So you, you spent the, the the record itself two Re- weeks, bare two weeks, and then, and then the <laughs> mega video. Well, the record was. I mean, it was good. We made this yeah, mega video, like we were castings of people. Like mm-hmm. all. I mean, it has like a plot and like renting out stores. We had police in the video, like car crash, like so stupid. 
I remember just like sitting, I had like my own trailer and I'm like sitting in there like, what, like, they had like someone baked me vegan cookies. I had vegan cookies, a carton of cigarettes and uh, a bottle of Stoli. And I was like, what is wrong with this? <laughs> right. like, um, so we made this huge video and, and it had a big push and, and you know, it didn't really happen. And then um, after that, we were like, wow, you know what? The people really actually liked our music before. Right. We were kind of down on it and then we sort of alienated and whatever. And it just, mm-hmm. you know, but at that point in that level of touring, we were like literally out with these bands that were like huge and you were seeing like everybody. And when you do these big festivals, you'd see how they would play and how they would, you know, how they would roll. And it was like so different, but nobody seemed like they were having any fun. Right. Not at that level what, either. In, uh, the, 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 the bands. The bands. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I don't know, Hoobastank or whatever, like those kind of bands. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if they actually enjoy what they do, but Breaking like. Breaking Benjamin wasn't yeah, that I don't great. Know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like those kind of gut things. Yeah. You know, we just didn't want to be that either. And we didn't really know what we wanted to be. And, um, we all sort of just had a conversation about like, what do we want to do? What do we want to be? Of course, like at some point down the road there too, like I got really into like classic rock, mm-hmm. um, where everybody else was just like, you look like you're from the seventies and you're like, what are you doing? And <laughs> that definitely yeah. in hindsight, like, um, you know, I apologize. Like that was <laughs> my fault. And, um, you well, know, it was, no, little, you know, it was just like, I'm 21 years old and I was the youngest one and, and I'm discovering music and yeah. like, I'm discovering what I love. And, um, it's the time when you would be figuring that stuff out. Yeah. And I also, anyway. I don't think, cause I, I, I know, and especially the musicals, the, the musical endeavors that you did after the band yeah. that, that really embraced kind of classic rock. Yeah. I mean, I understand, but I also understand that from, you're from from what Midtown was yeah, as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we definitely we definitely had that influence. It was all guitar solos, and yeah. guitar harmonies, and like. But right. I, in a in a way, I always I also have always equated like that kind of pop punk explosion to me at that time. The early aughts reminded yeah. me of almost like the hair metal yeah, explosion yeah, 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 of the definitely. which and, you know, and just kind of like you have a lot of these similar bands with, like with similar, yeah, yeah, and it's like a look, and it's so a, that's yeah. that's why I feel like the the classic rock. Um, uh, is thing is is almost appropriate. Yeah, you definitely don't I mean, need to apologize. Yeah, no, you know, yeah. but I mean, well, because and more, like more just like with the hair mouth things, like it's it's with the good bands too. You can be like, yeah, there was that hit, but then like, really, if you listen to the records, there's some like awesome songs. Yeah, it, it, yeah, you can, you know, you like there's a great album from, a great amongst era. that one kind of yeah. shitty hair metal song. Yeah, 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 no, 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 for sure, yeah. for sure. But it was just like I feel like we were all. um We had seen like the top of the mountain, and we were not going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had gotten so much further than we had ever imagined of going. And, you know, it's still crazy because we, there still were like My Chemical Romance and the Fallout Boys and we were touring with them. And it was, so it was like, you're still playing these massive shows every night. And it's right. so fulfilling. The one thing for me now, like looking back upon all this stuff too, is like what I miss more than anything in the world, like is just, I would love to just be able to perform from a massive crowd again because that was the coolest thing. Like I, I hope that everybody has the opportunity to one day, do that because there's no words to yeah. or other experience uh, of what that is like, and 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 that's you know what I what I miss about it. But we realized at the time it was just like we all wanted to do different things. Yeah. We were all still really young, mm-hmm. um, and we gave it a really good shot. Like, of course, in hindsight, like could we probably have gone back now and like tweaked it and been like, well, you know, I, if we just wrote another album like that last one, we'll be on MTV all the time with Fall Out Boy too, and all that kind of stuff, but 
I mean, no regrets at all for, yeah. for what it yeah. was, you know, and, and, and I'm glad at least like the, there's the odd person every so often who will like come up to me and be so stoked on it. And like, I'd rather have that than like everybody know you and not be that stoked on it. You know what I mean? Like, right. At least it was like, and it, it's, it's funny, you know, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny thing that it really didn't mean a lot to a lot of people, which is like the highest compliment that mm-hmm. you can be paid. Yeah, man, Tyler, you you've able you were able to succinctly wrap up. Wow. We're just about out of time here. Yeah, you were perfect. able to like totally wow. put a nice little capper on everything. Uh, a question that yeah. we ask all of our guests: What do you think of the word "gig"? Ooh, what what does it make me think of, or is it? How do you react to the how word? Do I react gig? to the word? I mean, I feel young and, and excited. I think that's okay. It's a terrible word. It's like, <laughs> you feel like, um, it feels like you're talking to someone who doesn't know what they're talking about or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't relate to you because we were like, no, this is a show. This is yeah, a show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in the same sense, like, I'm ready for one right now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's been a little while, so I'm ready to go. Well, listen, before that next gig, we just want you to get home safe. Thank you very Thank much, you. guys. Appreciate it. Worst gig ever.